You're listening to the Faith Roots Audio Podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Well, I want to welcome you to episode 11 of our topic, Converting Primary Resources. You know, the scripture has a lot to say about conversion, as well it should, because the whole of the world operates on symbiotic relationships. In other words, things feed each other, and what one thing gives off, another thing ingests, and vice versa. We see it in trees and humans. Uh, The trees need the carbon dioxide that we exhale. On the other hand, the trees take in that carbon dioxide and through a process exhale oxygen. They create more oxygen for us to breathe. So you can see these relationships all through uh, the creation. And it's no wonder that we see similar relationships in spiritual things where one party has what another needs and vice versa. That's why over and again in the scriptures we read the term, in fact it's 17 times, the land of milk and honey. When you stop and think about it, the land did not exude milk and honey. The milk and honey came as a result of processes of conversions. Milk was created when the cows and the goats grazed the grasslands and they produced the milk. The milk wasn't running in streams on the lands. And in the same way, when agriculture was implemented, the bees had something to pollinate and they increased, which led to an increase of honey. So Uh, God is in the business of conversions, and we see the word mentioned very clearly in the book of Isaiah, chapter 60. God said he would convert the wealth of the Gentiles, or the heathen, to the people of Israel. So you and I have to learn how to convert these primary resources. And I want to read to you about the next one. We talked about the first one, which is labor. In all labor, there's profit. That is Proverbs 14, 23. The scriptures speak over and again about what happens when we labor. But now we come to a new uh, primary resource, meaning that this is something that you convert into financial blessing for yourself. It is Proverbs 3, 13. Happy is the man who finds wisdom. Notice that, happy. When God says you're happy, he's talking not just about uh, a superficial happiness that even a wicked person could have. He's talking about a happiness and a joy that is very deep-seated and there is nothing evil or compromising about it. So when the scripture says happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding for her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. So what Solomon is writing here is he's saying that wisdom is very profitable. Now, we get these ideas in our heads as Westerners to think that all of the comparisons in Scripture are comparisons of opposites, and that's not true. There are numbers of different comparisons. Uh, For instance, 
the scriptures talk about wisdom and prudence being very similar, but yet somewhat different. They complement each other. They are very closely related, but they're not exactly the same. And you see the same thing in many other places in scripture. So when the scripture says that wisdom profits and brings riches, it doesn't necessarily mean that all it's going to do is promote material wealth, but it doesn't exclude that either. And this is where a lot of people fall into error. They would have you to believe that God has no interest whatsoever in anything to do with your financial blessing, uh, that if you happen to have it, just thank God for it, but it's not really his plan or in his plan, and it's not something that you can look forward to. And I would say that that is not in harmony with Scripture, and it's not in harmony with the text that we're going to read and, and from both Testaments. The Bible speaks about wisdom as a superseding principle, and let me explain how that works. Uh, airplanes fly on the basis of a superseding law. The law of lift and propulsion enables the airplane to overcome the law of gravity. It doesn't do away with the law of gravity. The law of gravity is still there. If the plane's engines go out, the plane always falls. And so we see this superseding principle, and that's what wisdom is. Wisdom is a superseding principle. I want to show it to you in Isaiah 55, two verses, 8 and 9. Let's read it. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Now, if we were to stop with that, we might come to the conclusion that God thinks in an exact opposite way of us. That is not what this passage is teaching. And we're going to find that out by reading the whole of the text. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. There's nothing here to suggest that God thinks in a totally opposite way than us. He thinks the best of thoughts, the best of our thoughts, and even more besides. Now, if this is true, we should find the same principle in the New Testament. So I want to show you here in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, beginning in verse 9. Jesus said, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now listen to verse 11. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, and the idea is that we are subject to evil, capable of evil, God the Father is not, if you then... Being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? In another place it says, how much more will He give good gifts to those that ask Him? And I believe that the parable was related twice. In one place He said Holy Spirit. In another place He said good gifts. Now here's the idea. Jesus was teaching that even an earthly father 
does not give a stone to his child when the child is asking for bread. He is not giving serpents to his children when they ask for fish. So you can see here that this is not a comparison of opposites. Here it is. God is saying, you come up to this level of goodness as a human being, but he rises far above your level of goodness. So this is not a comparison of opposites. It is the law of superseding. And so what we have to understand when we read the Proverbs, and especially when the Proverbs talk about wisdom, and it says over and again that wisdom brings with it financial blessing, it is not a, a teaching of opposites. It is all that and then some. In other words, yes, God's wisdom does bring financial blessing, but not in a way to hurt you or to harm you. It's always done in righteousness. So let's continue to look. I want to take you to the book of Proverbs chapter 8. And we're going to look at some of those verses that tell us very clearly that wisdom can be converted. Here we go, Proverbs 8.10. Receive my instruction and not silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that one may desire cannot be compared with her. Now, in this, we see that God is saying that wisdom is better than material wealth. But he is not saying that there should never be any material wealth given to the child of God. Because as we continue to read in verse 18... Wisdom says, riches and honor are with me. But notice what kind of riches. Enduring riches and righteousness. In other words, riches that come by a conversion of the wisdom of God are riches that do not diminish. They are not taken away. They are not based on folly. They're not based on sin. They are of great benefit not only to the person who receives but to all the people around. You know, when my wife and I were starting out and we were living in a government housing project out in West Texas, we wanted a home of our own and we would go driving at night looking into houses. Uh, so we'd slow down and, and you could see the staircase that was going upstairs and how beautiful the house was or maybe it had beautiful library paneling. And, and that's why we loved to go at night because, you know, obviously it wasn't working. And then at the same time, uh, you could see a little bit more of the house and the evening was the prettiest time to look. And I remember being desperate to get out of that government housing project, and I wanted a home. And my first thought was a thought based upon the poverty spirit. And that is, if these people had this stuff, it's because they did wrong to get it. And I began to curse these people in my heart. I began to think evil thoughts about them how that they must have been totally obsessed with money in order to have a house this nice, that they had to be totally occupied with ripping off people in order to get a house like this. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he asked me this question, how can I bless you when you want 
what these people have, and yet you judge them not knowing how they came by this. And suddenly the Holy Spirit gave me a revelation of some of the people, not all the people, but some of the people who lived in these homes. And I saw in a flash that some of these people had pulled themselves up by their own bootstraps, obviously with the help of God, that they built businesses, businesses that employed people. They were blessings to a number of families because they created jobs. They cared about people. They had good companies because they wanted not only to make money, but they wanted to bless both their customers and their employees. And when I saw that, I felt so ashamed of myself, and I changed my attitude. And I said, Lord, I will never again judge anybody who has financial blessing. I will never conclude that they came by it by unjust means. Because God let me see that there are people who did follow his lead and were blessed of God financially. And there are a number of people in Scripture, particularly Abraham, who was rich, Genesis 13, 2, in cattle and in silver and gold. Now, if that by itself is evil, how could Abraham be called the friend of God? How could he have financial blessing? And by the way, his financial blessing was key to his ability to fulfill the call of God on his life. Abraham was a sitting duck for Satan because Satan would have done anything and everything to ruin him. And no doubt he would have been overcome by the various different robber bands that roamed through the area. But Abraham had 318 trained servants. They went and rescued Lot when Lot was carried off. That same thing might have happened to Abraham, but Abraham lived in a village, a tent village, of warrior shepherds that he paid for, that he fed, that he blessed. No wonder he was rich in cattle, silver, and gold. He had to be in order to take care of all these families. Do you see then how we make these judgments based upon opposites? We think that every comparison in Scripture is somehow an opposite. In other words, God cannot have a middle of the road. And there are so many teachings about money where that God is not endorsing the seeking of money first. He is endorsing the seeking of wisdom. And wisdom cannot help but bring financial good to those who follow it. That's the idea that the scriptures bring about. Therefore, we see this. And I want to read now from the book of Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and in all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory she will deliver to you. In other words, wisdom will put you in a place of authority, a place where people listen, a place where people depend on your decisions. 
And you see here that wisdom is designed to lift us. Wisdom, therefore, is God's currency. It's how he pays us back. So when we give to him of our treasures, we shouldn't look for those financial treasures coming back. What we need to be looking for and open to instead is a flow of wisdom from the Spirit of God, wisdom that blesses people. This is only the beginning of these ideas. So I pray that you'll get your Bible out and mark these scriptures and pay attention to everything that I say here because when you understand God's financial system and how that it's based on wisdom, you will understand that it is possible to have financial blessing without being destroyed. See you tomorrow. I want to thank you for watching our podcast today. And if you really liked it, would you please give us a little thumbs up by clicking on that sign down below? And then I would encourage you to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss any of our future podcasts because they're all going to be good. And if you would like to support us financially, either with a one-time gift or recurring gift, you can do that by clicking on the link below or going to myfaithroots.com. Thank you so much for watching this program. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.